Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Hey guys, Brad Gilmore here from Back to the Future, the podcast. And if you're out there looking to rent a DeLorean time machine, well, let me tell you the number one place to do so. That's DeLoreanRental.com. DeLoreanRental.com, they have the DeLorean time machine all across the United States from Los Angeles all the way to NYC and even a few in the UK, Germany, France, Italy, and adding more cars daily. Check out their packages online to see what would be your best fit for your event. And I'm talking, man, if you need to go to whatever it is to have a DeLorean, if you're looking to rent a DeLorean time machine for a birthday, corporate event, wedding, anniversary, or party, whatever it is that you're looking for, just go to DeLoreanRental.com. Again, that's DeLoreanRental.com. It's the one-stop shop and place to get a DeLorean time machine for your special event do it today. Don't run out of time. Hit that book now button on DeLoreanRental.com to get a quote. Again, DeLoreanRental.com. That's DeLoreanRental.com. Hey, guys, before we start the show this week, want to remind you, April 14th is the big day, the big, big day. It is Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told, a book by me, Brad Gilmore, based upon a lot of the stuff that we talked about on Back to the Future, the podcast, and a host of more, more, more greatness and Back to the Future goodness. So if you want to get the book, go over to Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, IndieBound.com, or BackFromTheFutureBook.com and get yours today. You can get a you can get a copy today. You can pre-order it, and it'll be in your inbox, mailbox, wherever your box is. You can get it on April the 14th. So if you if you get this book and you like it, you know, read it with a glass of milk. Chocolate. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Marty! You've got to come back with me! The future. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time, the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and we have a great show for you today. This is like, I think, the fourth podcast I've cranked out in so many weeks. I think it's been a week, and we up to four or five podcasts, so I'm really, I'm cranking them out here. But today, we have a very special, 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 special Um edition of back to the future the podcast because i am welcoming on the friends in time davy boy mitch david g mitchell and norman benford we are back on the first time we've done a podcast all together since 2015 believe it or not um david was the last part of season two of back to the future the podcast and norm 
was season three. So we've done seasons four, five, and six now. We're in season six since since that. So we haven't been able to catch up. So we catch up on a lot of the new toys that are coming out for the Back to the Future 35th anniversary. We talk about the 4K release, what we'd like to see on there. And then we answer some of your questions that were submitted to us. Now, one of those questions was something about Back to the Future Part 4. And what would be our idea for it? So I actually forgot that several years ago, and when I say several, I mean more like seven or eight, um, I was in college and it was like my first, second semester. And one of the, I'm a liberal arts major, communication studies, rhetorical communications, graduated summa cum laude, you know, no big deal. Um, that's right, you can applaud for me, it's great, it's fine. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I, uh, one of the assignments was pick a, uh, one of your favorite films and, and, and come up with a pitch for the sequel. And I'd forgotten that I did a Back to the Future 4 pitch as a part of this college assignment way back in the day. So I went to see if I could still find it. Lo and behold, on my old Mac desktop computer, it was on there. So here was the plot that I wrote for Back to the Future Part 4. This is so embarrassing. I, I read through it. It's super embarrassing. But this was written almost eight years ago. So this would have been 2012, maybe, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, this was the plot. Now, this is like before I'm deep diving and back to the future. So some of this might not even make any sense. I read I read through it before um, I decided to record this. So here it is. I'm just going to get to it. Here's the plot for Back to the Future Part 4. All right. Let's get to it. Plot. Seven years have gone by since the last time we saw Marty and Doc. The two have stayed close, but have followed much different paths since their time-traveling days. Doc has had a very interesting several years. He has sold off much of his lab equipment and has moved into a new home with his wife Clara and their three children, Jules, Vern, and Martin. While Clara has caught up on living over 100 years in the future, there's still one thing that isn't right in her life, Doc. Doc has been serving as the Dean of Science at the University of Hill Valley. He has given up inventing for the most part and focused on instructing and teaching the future generation. Doc spends so much time at the school that he has inadvertently, inadvertently neglected his wife and kids, most notably his youngest son, Martin, whom Doc has barely spent time with over his short 11 months on this earth. Everything seemed to be normal and mundane in both of their lives until one day, Thanksgiving Day 1992. As the Brown family sat down at their dinner table to enjoy a feast, his family started to disappear in front of his very eyes seemingly being erased from existence. A hysterical doc calls the only person he knows who can help, Marty. Since 1985, Marty's band The Pinheads made it big with their song, Power of Love. And after the greatest summer of his life, Marty's band falls victim to being yet another one-hit wonder. Since his rise and fall in the music industry, Marty has married Jennifer Parker, and the two of them are living in Hilldale, a suburb of Hill Valley. Marty has taken a position at the local radio station, KHLL, working as an assistant program director, reporting to his boss, Douglas J. Needles. After receiving a frantic call from Doc, Marty and Doc Brown realize there only one way, there's only one way to fix this issue. It's to go back in time. But they don't know when, where, or how this could have happened. And most importantly, who could have altered the timeline? Biff Tannen has flourished in his years since 1985. He still runs an auto detailing shop in downtown Hill Valley and has stricken up a friendship with the newest resident of the town, Alex Pendleton. Pendleton is the proprietor of Pendleton Enterprises, a microchip manufacturing company. Pendleton hasn't made many friends during his time in Hill Valley after tearing down the Lone Pine Mall to build his new factory, which many residents refer to as an eyesore. 
During one of their many visits to the during one of his many visits to the Pendleton Mansion, Biff reveals that he came about local inventor Doc Brown's JVC video camera in a box purchased at Doc's garage sale, while which contained fully detailed plans and proof of his DeLorean time machine, and it existed at one point. After some convincing of the videotape's authenticity and Biff's own anecdotal anecdote of seeing a flying DeLorean in 1985. Alex gets dollar signs in his eyes and wants to rebuild the time machine and use it for commercial use. Alex has a vision of selling time travel to the masses and making a killing. After successfully creating the time machine, Biff alarms Alex with a thought. What are they going to do when Doc finds out about their plans to commercialize time travel? After a dastardly brainstorming session and painstaking amount of research, they find out yet another one of Doc Brown's dirty little secrets. Where Clara came from. They hatch a plan to go back in time to 1892, the very day that Doc, Clara, Jules, and Vern went back to the future. And see. There we go. That was my uh, idea for Back to the Future Part 4. I don't even know really what it means. It's more of a, a plot of some characters and doesn't really tell me where we were going, where we've been, how we got there. But that was a, an assignment that I did for college, so I thought I'd share that with you because it answers a question. The reason I brought it up is it answers a question that somebody had here later in the podcast. So I guess without further ado, let's jump forward. Let's get our DeLorean. Let's make sure the flux capacitor is fluxing. Let's go 88 into this adventure with my friends in time, Norman Benford and David G. Mitchell. Hey, guys, want to take a quick second to tell you about this Eagle Moss DeLorean buildup that I've been working on. So it's really cool. Eagle Moss has uh, a subscription service where you can build your own DeLorean time machine, and they send it to you in a subscription service format. Every month or so, you get uh, some of the parts for the DeLorean. They give you magazines that are step-by-step -step instructions about how you can actually get this. So I've just started on it. I have parts one and two, but you can sign up today. It's a really great deal. It's a total risk-free trial offer. You get issues number one and issues number two parts and the magazines, plus a free exploded diagram poster. And get this, guys. This is the deal of a lifetime. It is a dollar and ninety-five cents plus free shipping. That is the 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 trial offer, the risk-free trial offer. Issues one and two with the parts magazine and exploded diagram poster for one dollar and ninety-five cents plus free shipping. You can't get any better than that. Go to EagleMoss.com. That's EagleMoss, E-A-G-L-E-M-O-S-S.com and sign up and build the Back to the Future DeLorean today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time with the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. Guess what, guys? I'm joined by two very, very special people. Firstly, currently residing in Boston, currently on lockdown in Florida, he is the one and the only Davey boy Mitch, David G. Mitchell. What's going on, David? Uh, hello, guys. It's good to be back on the show. And without using all the analogies and puns, isn't this a blast from the past? <laughs> and also, from State College, PA, he is Rucker Park's number one DJ, DJ Normie Norm, Norman Benford in the house. <laughs> well, it's nice to uh, blow the dust off the microphone, and here we are talking again. Here we are, guys. Uh, the original Friends in Time back catching up 
after um, quite quite a few years. I think it's been several years since uh, all of us have done the show. So it's it's great to have y'all back on. Here we are, season six now, Back to the Future, the podcast. A uh, lot, lot of stuff has gone on in the last few years, but let's start off with y'all. Um, Norm, I've spoken to you, I think, more mo- most recently because we had a text exchange where I think that you got some Back to the Future-related uh, body art, if if I'm not putting you on blast too much, right? Didn't you get a clock tattoo? Oh, uh, yeah. I Actually, that that is my third Back to the Future tattoo at this point. I have a flux capacitor as part of a collage on my left arm. I have the clock tower on my right arm, and then I have kind of a very large hoverboard and Back to the Future montage on my right leg. So that's Back to the Future tattoo number three for me. So a, a montage? What What's going on in the montage? you got to explain well, that the, one a little more. Um, the montage, it, it started out as just a hoverboard, and it was done on my right leg, and it was done in close proximity to an ill-advised tattoo I got in my college years. <laughs> so once I saved up a little more money, I went back and had – the hoverboard kind of framed with uh, some art from Back to the Future. So it features part of the clock tower, 1.21 gigawatts, some lightning bolts, and then the logo from the Back to the Future logo, or the arrow, I'm sorry. And that's the, the big black part that's covering up the old tattoo. So that one is more just kind of a freestyle piece with a bunch of different Back to the Future elements. Oh man, and man, what about you, Davy Boy, Mitch? What's what's been going on in your world, Back to the Future related? Any, any, anything of note that you'd like to share? Um, a little bit. Uh, funny you should ask because I was in Los Angeles last week, and right before Universal Studios closed, I had some time there, and I went to pay to vi- pay to visit there, and also visited the uh, Back to the Future exhibit in the Hollywood Museum in uh, Hollywood Boulevard, which was really really cool to see. Lots of uh, memorabilia, lots of uh, Bob Gale notes and production notes, props. Uh, there's a time machine replica. There's the Jeep. There's tons and tons of stuff. Really, really cool. Yeah, man. I wanted to go over. So actually, at the time we're doing this, I was going to be in Los Angeles today. Obviously, I'm in Houston right now. And, and then tomorrow, Sunday, I was going to go with a couple friends, and we were going to go to the Back to the Future exhibit so I could check it out. I'm going to go to it sometime this year. Um, once we get out of this alternate timeline, but so what else was there? So I've seen like a, some production stills and like you said, notes from Bob Gale. What stuck out to you from the exhibit? Um, well, to be honest, a lot of the stuff that stuck out to me was all the merchandise over the years. That's been like an enclosed cabinet, like stuff from all over the world, you know, stuff from back in the day to stuff from now. It's just been such a variety of stuff that, you know, from cereal boxes to uh, pizza hood shades to like remote control cars, like just whatever you can think of is, is so cool. And also just the uh, the production stuff from Bob Gale, the notes of uh, from Eric Stoltz's time, the production diaries, the um, what else was there? You know, props itself, like the uh, the Easy Sleep, the Griff's baseball bat, the letters, just really countless stuff. Too much stuff to uh, to ring off, but it's definitely I'm, worth I'm a visit. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, really, really cool. Man, I mean, was there anything like in particular about the Eric Stoltz time that that, that you got to read or check out or, or or learn that you didn't know before? 
there was um, actually not too much about Eric Stoltz, but there was a note on one of the production diaries about Crispin Glover being like 90 minutes late to set when everybody else is on time. Something to that effect, you know, I can only imagine of his process and, you know, this diva-esque um, behavior, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Who, who knows what was going on back in those times? Um, but man, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get to that uh, exhibit sometime this year. Now, has anybody um, has anybody added to their Back to the Future collectibles at all? Now, I, I'm looking over here. I now have like a little shelf in my office to where I've had all my Back to the Future collectibles. I've got a Mister Fusion. I've got the Pepsi Perfect. I've got the alarm clock that that told Marty when to go head toward the. Um, Head toward the clock tower, nineteen fifty-five. I mean, I have a few things, a few replicas, a few uh, uh, reproductions of, of different props. Has anybody added to their collection? Norm, have you had anything new, David? Oh, I, I have added several things. Probably the the coolest of which was a birthday gift a few years ago from my buddy Jim. It is an old wall scroll from uh, a video store advertising the release of back to the future on vhs so it's actually like a, a fabric thing i don't know if you're familiar with like those anime wall scrolls it's very similar to that it's just printed on fabric and then it rolls out and it has a spindle on the top and the bottom so that's hanging above my desk at work and if you're on my side of the building anywhere it's up above all of the cubicle walls so you can see it from just about anywhere in the suite that is Probably one of the cooler things that I've added to my collection. That does sound pretty dope. What about you, David? Any, anything new prop-wise or, or, or collectible-wise? Uh, nothing too much. Just a few small bits and bobs. But just you're definitely reminding me something, Norm, of uh, something I saw on, at the museum. Um, there was a display that video stores would have on where you could pre-order your copy of Back to the Future on VHS. And there was like a digital countdown clock to the release date which I thought was pretty nifty. But uh, I did manage to get my hands on two exclusive Funko Pops over the last few months. There was a Hot Topic exclusive of Marty in his Part 3 cowboy outfit. And there was a comic convention exclusive of Marty in the radiation outfit, which I got, which is pretty nifty. And also, in the parks, the theme parks, Universal Parks, they do have some uh, 35th anniversary merchandise. Uh, not, not a whole lot of stuff, but... a a few little bits and bobs and I managed to get a, a key ring and it's a, a license plate and it says BK2TF-35 anniversary so it's a cool old anniversary license plate key ring so that's about it yeah I've seen some of that stuff on eBay you know since we've all kind of been on on lockdown the last couple of days here I've been surfing the internet and buying all kinds of stuff from back to the future related um, you know, just like, like you, like you said, I like, I like how David says that bits and bobs. I've, I've had a couple of bits and bobs that I've picked up definitely over the years. I finally got a pair. I think David, you had the, the replica, um, Nike air mags from 20, from 2015. You have those, right? Well, I, I do, but the ones that are released today or the, the ones you can get today, there's no comparison. Mine's are like a piece of junk compared to the ones you can get today. <laughs> like you can get like pretty, pretty screen accurate ones that light up and look legit so uh yeah they're not as good as, as yours i'm sure so i bought these other shoes so i well first of all the, i'm sure y'all know in back to the future part one doc and when he's in the radiation suit in 1985 he's got on these orange nikes and they're called nike vandals so they re-released those a couple years ago i have those yeah the orange ones they call them the nike doc browns i i bought those i haven't worn them 
they're actually sitting next to a. Uh, well, actually, they're <laughs> they're on my desk, but they have these bunny ears that were given to me by Macaulay Culkin on them. So that's just kind of where yeah. they're sitting right now. I know odd story, but Macaulay Culkin did give me a set of bunny ears a couple years ago, um, and, and so they're sitting right now on my desk. But the other shoes that I bought, I bought these the other day because I'm obviously in, in a crazy person. They're these Nike. Let me pull these up. Let me feel, the, the name of them are Nike Alpha Dunk basketball shoes. The um, color is racer pink slash volt black, but they're actually. Back to the Future theme Nike shoes. They're 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 colored after the hoverboard, and they have the hoverboard pattern on the back. They have the Back to the Future arrow on them. They absolutely look ridiculous on me, so I, I might not ever wear them, or I oh might have to return God. them. But but have y'all seen? Have other one of y'all seen these? No, I'm just, not. But I'm in, I'm intrigued. I'm just pulling up a picture here now, and I can see them on Google, and they look pretty pretty unique. All right. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're very loud sneakers. Um, but they're definitely Back to the Future related, so I, I, I copped them, as they say, but I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to rock them. They, they might not uh, fit my style too much, but those are some of the things. But Norm, when we were talking about getting together and doing this podcast, um, you, it, it, just like you did back when we first started this, sent us a list of some of the things that were going on news related and, and um, merchandise related for Back to the Future, 35th anniversary. I say let's shoot through that list. What are some of the things that you found that are coming out to celebrate this 35th anniversary. Well, it is, it is kind of a big year, it being the 35th anniversary. And there were some very, very cool reveals at Toy Fair this year, which was just maybe like five or six weeks ago at this point. Um, the first thing that I think probably people are most excited about, and this is just based on kind of the online chatter that I'm seeing about it, uh, Playmobil is actually putting out some really, really cool Back to the Future themed merchandise. Playmobil kind of hit it big a few years ago when they started putting out Ghostbusters stuff. It uh, reintroduced Playmobil to uh, the adult collector market again when they brought back that Ghostbusters license. And they've kind of been in the spotlight a bit since then, but they showed off at Toy Fair. There's a Playmobil DeLorean set that comes with uh, 1985 Marty, 1985 Doc, 1985 Einstein, and then just a whole bunch of really cool merchandise like uh, skateboard, plutonium, and the DeLorean itself has some kind of battery power. So it has light up features, including a, a light up flux capacitor inside. It is just an excellent piece of merchandise. It's not out yet, and I have thus far been able to Avoid pre-ordering it on Amazon, but I don't see how much longer I'm going to be able to hold off. Yeah, it is pretty sweet. I mean, I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, that's actually the one collectible I don't think I've ever been able to pick up is, is an Einstein. I don't think I have an Einstein in my collection. What, what were your thoughts on this, David? I mean, this does look pretty sweet. For me, personally, it looks a bit interesting, but probably not enough for to where I'm probably going to buy it. I mean, first of all, I did see the price of it, and I think it's a smidge overpriced. But uh, interested to know, it's already released in the UK and Ireland, so it's good to see that that side of the pond is getting some love before the States. But I'm not too sure if Playmobil, Playmobil is a big thing in the States, but in the UK and Ireland, it's kind of seen as more of a kid's toy, you know? I mean, it does look like a little bit like baby Le Lego kind of thing. Mm. It, it still is very much a, a child-focused brand, but with the licensing, they kind of pushed up their, their target age a little bit. Um the DeLorean reminds me quite a bit just 
scale-wise of that Lego DeLorean kit that was released mm. several years ago. Those things are, are pretty dear on the secondary market still at this point. I don't think you can touch one of those for less than like 60 or 70 bucks right now. But it seems very similar in size. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I don't know about the Play Mobile, but definitely Funko Pops are, are big amongst, I think, all ages here in, in the States. And I'm sure abroad. And these Back to the Future Funkos that are coming out for the 35th anniversary are phenomenal. I think these are the best sets of them they've come out with. I'm looking at a set of seven that you can buy for 70 euro. I don't know what that translates. What does that translate to, David? Do you know? About $100, maybe. $100. So you can get it for about $100 uh, US, but it has the, the 1955 dock with the mind reading device, uh, 1955 Biff, 2015 dock with the shades on, 2015 Marty with the pants pockets out and the hat on. You have 1985 Mar Marty with the JVC camera. Um, what, which one is this? What is this Marty? Is this, I guess this is 1985 Marty as well with the sunglasses and the headphones on. Um, I believe that's, uh, playing the guitar amp Marty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I figured. And then you have a uh, 1955 Marty with the skateboard that, that he made out of the scooter. These, now these are, are some great ones. I have a couple of the fun co's now, uh, from back to the future. I have one Marty, one doc, but, um, there's also a set and I'm sure y'all saw this and tell me, um, if this is, this is a must buy, I think David is the doc with the clock tower behind him. I think it's like $35 us. I've already pre-ordered this one. It comes out July 5th. Um, are, are any of these going to be in your collection, David? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, I'm a big fan of the Funkos already, whether it be back to the future or other, you know, movie lines or sports or whatever, but, uh, they do look amazing. I can't wait for it to come out. I, I want them all. Um, as I said, I have the Part Three Cowboy Marty and the Radiation Suit Marty, and also have my Glow in the Dark Dock from a few years ago, which is uh, fetches about three hundred dollars or so on the secondary market, eBay and stuff. But uh, great variation on the upcoming releases, and bravo to Funko for realizing the possibilities of all the different characters and designs. Um, which one? If you, I said you said you want to get them all, but if you could only go with one of the seven and excluding the dock with the clock tower, which one would would be your? I gotta get, I gotta get this one. Mm, isn't there a, a part two marty there's a part two marty yeah uh probably that one or the uh the dock the, the part two dock with the shades is pretty cool part two dock is See, pretty for sweet. me i'm gonna have to say biff because there there is no other uh biff funko pop right now and i have i have a marty and i have two different docks but this will be the first biff so i'll definitely be grabbing that one myself yeah, I think I I got to go with Biff too, just because. So over, and I guess this is a fine time to get into it. This book that I wrote, Back from the Future: Celebration of the Greatest Time Travel Story Ever Told. When I was like writing this, Biff to me, Tom Wilson, and y'all can agree with me or not, but I feel like Tom Wilson is really without him, the the films don't work. I know we have to have Marty, we have to have Doc, but what Tom Wilson did is Biff. And the seven different variations of that character, including Griff and uh, Mad Dog Tannen, he did some incredible acting in those movies. And the way that, that he brought that villain and that menace to life throughout different decades and, and knew how to slightly alter and tailor his performance for whatever time period or situation he found himself in was, was absolutely brilliant. Um, that's why I think I ha would have to get the Biff one. I, I think that Biff... Biff might need to go down as one of the great characters in movie history for what he was able to do in those three films. Yeah, and, and I think what's really interesting is he was playing just this whole cast 
you know, generations of these nefarious, nasty, terrible characters. And everything that I've ever read about him or seen about him says he is just one of the most genuinely nice and down to earth human beings that has ever, you know, been in a major Hollywood movie. So that's kind of ironic. I always thought. Yeah, he's just uh, just a phenomenal range as an actor, and obviously got a lot of great comic timing from his stand-up days. I did read his book that came out a couple of years ago. That was quite interesting. A few interesting stories in there, and I said this before, but um, his performances, Mad Dog, in Part Three, for the longest time when I was a kid, I thought that was a different actor just because he played it so well. So there's the ultimate compliment right there. Yeah, absolutely. I I love Tom Wilson. Now the the other. The other things that are coming out for this twenty for this thirty fifth anniversary, can you believe it? Thirty five years, wow, that's crazy. Um, some of the other things that are coming out for this thirty fifth anniversary, um, what, what what are they? Uh, well, I know there's some dice games, some some board games, uh, more stuff. What what else is sticking out to you, Norm? Uh, the the things that I'm also really excited about is there's a set of four of the new reaction line. Those are those kind of classic three and three quarter figures that are styled like the old school Star Wars figures. And they did a set of four, probably dating back like six or seven years ago at this point, that was Marty, Doc, Biff, and George McFly. And they play very nicely. They're all on really nicely designed card backs. I have never opened any of mine. I have them hanging at work. But they're putting out a series of four from Back to the Future Part Two. So it's Marty, with again, with the pockets out and the shiny hat, and then Griff Tannen, uh, Future Doc, and then uh, Bifco Biff in his, you know, velour robe and fuzzy slippers. And they are really, really well-designed figures. I will... Beautiful. Beautiful. I will definitely be picking those up again. Like I said, they display really, really well on the card back. And I, I like to buy stuff that I can display that doesn't take up a lot of space because... I have more stuff than I have space, which is a very first world problem to have. But I, I try to be a little discerning in the kind of Back to the Future merchandise I pick up. But these are a definite must buy for me. These are sweet, man. I think I'd have to get that Marty McFly because the Marty McFly and the Griff, they come with a hoverboard. So you got the pink Mattel hoverboard and then you got the Mad Dog um, uh, hoverboard. Uh, I mean, Pitbull, I'm sorry. Uh, David, would you are these pickups for you as well? Um, to be honest, the, the first series that came out didn't really appeal too much to me. I mean, I understand where they're coming from with the, like the nostalgic kind of, as you said, Star Wars figures that they're modeled on. Um, but for me, these, um, these look pretty decent. You know, if they have a decent price, I might pick them up. And especially with the characters that they have from part two with the Griff and the, uh, the, the Donald Trump Biff or whatever, yeah. um, I might pick them up at a decent price. But again, like, the figures that I usually go for are more detailed and, you know, more display type figures, not the ones that you would, you know, quote unquote, play with. But if these are a decent price, I'll pick them up, you know. They um, usually ring in around 16 or 17 bucks a piece, David. Ooh. Well, that's a little, that's a we'll little see, pricey. Yeah. Well, I saw, when I, I, when I got I would, mine, I they agree. were under 10. When I got mine, they were under 10, but I might have picked them up like when they were on the market after a couple of years. So they were about like $9 each. I got a Marty and a Doc, which are actually standing on the top of a clock above my bed. But um, 
I think that uh, yeah, if they're in the twenty range, yeah, I, I could wait on these. I like those. I like these a lot though. I think I like these actually a little bit more than the um the the play mobile stuff. So th- these would be number yeah. two on my must cop list. But I I think that those Funkos are just those Funkos are so sweet, and they're they're always like seven fifty eight dollars something like that on Amazon. I think the one with the dock. I think dock with the clock tower is like thirty bucks. So. I might invest my money off top on these, but these other ones that you showed me, these are the last things I want to talk about with the with the um, toys. There is these, what are they called? The NC, NECA? Uh, NECA. NECA. Yeah, the, the NECA, NECA is putting out some really, really nice uh, figures for the anniversary. The, the first is a, a set of two Marty figures, and it's Marty in his 1985 gear, and then marty in the radiation suit and these are uh you know these are hyper detailed these have face scans they come with alternate heads tons of accessories these are kind of your more high-end collectibles they're they're probably gonna i want to say these are going to price out like somewhere between 30 and 40 bucks a piece um these are similar in scale to marvel legends figures just to kind of give you uh, a point of view these are not my cup of tea. Uh, I don't like figures that come with extra heads and extra hands. Like I'm, I'm cool with accessories, but like once it's like, oh, you could do this and switch his head and switch his hands. I'm out. That's not my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I really like that these ones have the animated series um, figures on here. I, I love that the animated series is getting a little love. Um, I, I started to really kind of dive into that a little more in the last few months. And um, I might have to get a couple of these animated series ones because the only animated toys I think they've ever come out are the McDonald's Happy Meal toys, at least that I yeah, remember. So, yeah, and you can get those chintzy. anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're Happy Meal toys, so you can get them anywhere. But these ones, David, these ones look pretty dope. I think these are the number one releases that I'm looking forward to because I'm a, a huge fan of the NECA line of, of toys that they bring out already they brought out you know ninja turtles they brought out you know the rocky figures that I've, I've acquired before they do some really detailed fantastic work and um these were quite similar to the hot toys ones that came out a few years ago but as much as a collector as i am i really couldn't justify dropping like 300 to 400 bucks on a one of those figures but i have to imagine the others will be a little bit more affordable and for me these are uh, look so well done and i They'll be a must-get. The same with the animated series stuff, though, as well. You're saying, like, so unique and what a great idea. I mean, the, ha- the closest thing we got before is Happy Meal Toys. So I'll definitely be uh, dropping some dollars on those, too. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of the animated series, but I absolutely love the DeLorean in that set that has those big stylized, you know, puffy wiring running around. Mm-hmm. That was very simplified for the cartoon. That that thing just looks fantastic. I love that. Um, now the the last little bit of stuff that's coming out is um, a, a, I think it's like a variety of different board games that we have coming out. Like there's a back in time strategy game. There's a couple dice games for Back to the Future. While I've been here in self quarantine uh, w- w- with a couple of people, I was able to play um, the Back to the Future Monopoly set, which I have, which is really cool. If if no one's ever seen it. It comes in like the plutonium case is what it's decorated like on the outside. And of course, there's like 1955 clock tower, 1985 clock tower. It gets a little confusing at times with all the different property names. But what are, what, what are these games looking like, Norm? Are these, are these ones that, because these strategy games for me, if it gets to be a little too dungeon and dragony, I just can't keep up. 
Well, I the only Back to the Future games that I currently have is I have a dice game that uh, nobody has ever wanted to play, so it's still in the package. <laughs> and then I have the Yahtzee set they put out a couple years ago that came in that really, really nice plastic flux capacitor. Um, these, they, these are a lot of independent game and toy companies that pick up the license and these don't really do a whole lot for me. I'm not much of a board game by guy to begin with, but I would imagine if you're somebody who has an active game night and a fan that they're, they're definitely worth looking into. Uh, and you, David, are you, are you big in any of the board games or anything like that? Uh, like yourself, I did get the Monopoly board game a couple of years ago. Um, I played it once and probably haven't played it since because it takes forever. More of a display piece, I think. Um, I do have the Yahtzee set as well, but again, that's more of a, a display piece. These ones, I mean, they don't really look too appealing, to be honest. Uh, there's nothing really stands out about them. There's a lot of generic kind of board games. So unless I hear too much, unless I hear another, like, some good positive feedback about them, I don't really have much interest in them. Now let's- yeah, and there's, there's a Funko Pop one that comes with two mini Funko Pops, which is kind of cool. Um, but then everything else, it's just cardboard cutouts, and that's just uh, that's not that interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, the board games. I I would like another. I know they came out back to the future of the game. Obviously, the the video game for all formats, including your iPhone. I would like a, a new Back to the Future video game of some kind. I don't know, maybe a different play, maybe not a choose your own adventure thing maybe you're following the details of, of one of the of one of the movies i don't know i would like like a a, a different feeling video game a, a little bit more um i don't know i'm not a huge gamer but just something more of a uh, of a uh what am i trying to say here more of a i don't want to say grand theft auto because that sounds crazy but you know what i mean right wouldn't you like a, a different sort of video game david to play yeah i did play that um the game when it came out originally on PC and Mac and as much as it was fun to set a new get a new storyline and you know different variations it did take kind of a while to 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 process and go through and like choose you want to go left you want to go right you want to choose this like it's like whatever but yeah what you're saying is is a great idea like just even following the basic storylines of something where you're floating around Hill Valley on a skateboard a hoverboard and you know you have to uh stop Biff or something just doesn't have to be too complicated something like ground tempo as you're saying like that would be pretty sweet yeah i would like to see that now um let's talk about one thing that that i think they're all excited about so 2015 came out 30th anniversary of the first film um we got a really awesome awesome set the um that came out the complete adventures of back to the future where you had the three movies in blu-ray you had a a bonus disc which included a doc saves the world back on Future Day, and then you had the animated series on DVD for the first time it had been released to for home viewing, unless you bought a bootleg off like Etsy or something like that. Um, what do you think for this 4K release that's rumored? What is something that you want to see on this? Because we've gotten two different sets now of behind-the-scenes documentaries. Uh, the, the ones that were on the 30th anniversary, the same ones on the 25th, and then the, there was also the 20th anniversary you know, our, uh, featurettes. We saw the... Um, Secrets of the Back to the Future trilogy that came out back in the 1990s. It was included on that. The Out of Time documentary, a shortened version of the Out of Time documentary was included on that. And like I said, the Doc Saves the World. What is something that we would like to see 
as people who've consumed all Back to the Future related material that we humanly possibly can, what is something that could entice us for this 4K release? Norm, I want to start with you. Well, there's really only one thing at this point that would be enough to to get me to buy, I don't know, at this point, like my fifth or sixth version copy of these movies is I would love them to just dump all of the Eric Stoltz footage onto a, a disc and just have it there with commentary. What would be really cool if they could get Eric Stoltz in to talk about his set time on the set, which I can't imagine he would probably want to do that. But uh, that, that's the level of new content that it's going to take to get me to rebuy. I, I think at this point, these releases are mostly just for video files that have the really nice equipment and really nice home theaters. And that's just not me. I got a TV and some speakers and I'm good. <laughs> what about you, David? Because that, that's actually what I was going to say. I was going to say what would really get me is Eric Stoltz footage. We saw a little bit more in this 30th anniversary film uh, release, I mean, back back in 2015. We saw a little bit more of the Eric Stoltz version, but um, what would get you to push the buy button on Amazon? Well, um, apart from what you guys already said with Eric Stoltz footage, first of all, being the fact that it's 4K for me is a big attraction because I'm a big 4K component. I love getting the uh, re-releases of classic films in 4k because they look you know phenomenal if you have the right equipment they they look really amazing um i got like grease and i got like the karate kid on 4k and they look like they were filmed like last week that's just how good they look if you have the right equipment but uh, also there was the uh supposed premiere supposed to happen in april with uh, the first showing of the 4k presentation on the cast was supposed to be in attendance, but obviously that's cancelled because of the uh, whole mm-hmm. epidemic. But um, regarding special features and stuff, I first thing that's coming to mind would probably be maybe something like a documentary about the riot, or like maybe the making of the riot, or you know a little bit more in depth about that because I go to the theme parks a lot, and every time I walk past that Simpsons riot, I just like shed a little tear because it's just reminding me of what was and how similar it was that they just basically repainted the DeLoreans in Simpsons colors and, you know, such a terrible re- recomponent of it. But something to do with the ride, I think. I'm a really, really big fan of the ride. Man, I, I, I still kick myself all the time not ever being able to ride that ride. You know, it was, it was in the plans at one time. And, you know, my sister was going to take me, and then it just never happened because by the time that I was ready to go, the ride had already closed. But I would like an in-depth on the ride. I mean, we got the ride footage before on the home video releases, but we've never gotten the, the behind-the-scenes of the ride. We even got, a uh, like, a tale about the whole animated series. There was a, a featurette on, I think, the, 30, or the 30th anniversary about the animated series and how that all came together, but never anything on the ride. I, I think that's a really great call. Because um, really, I don't know what else you could go into other than the ride and the Eric Stoltz footage that that you know that hasn't been talked about really at nauseum to this point, especially in those featurettes. Um, I, I can't think of anything else unless they wanted to do, uh, you know, a sit down with the original cast, uh, similar to what they were going to do with this planned Friends reunion. If you want to have Marty, I mean, Michael J. Fox, Chris Lloyd, Crispin Glover, if you could get Crispin back. 
Um, that would be awesome. Tom Wilson, Leah Thompson, and just kind of have a conversation with with you know Bob Zemeckis or Steven Spielberg, whatever. I would be into that. That would probably get me to buy. Um, but uh, aside from that, I can't think of anything more else other than I would like to see the 4K. I did buy the Beverly Hills Cop series in 4K, so I might as well buy the Back to the Future series in 4K sure. just to see what it looks like. Um, I, I don't think I have a keen as eye of some other people to where I could definitely see it. I remember when the Blu-rays came out, you could start seeing like a little bit of the makeup on like Strickland's neck um, and, and Doc's neck. You could see like the old age makeup a little more. So I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but uh, yeah, I mean, those are the things that I think that we would all like to see more Eric Stoltz footage, uh, maybe a cast reunion, a document about the ride. I think those are all great. Now there isn't Norm remind me, there's not a set date for this yet, right? Uh, I think it's just middle of the year. June or July is when they were eyeing it. But I don't think it has a street date yet. Yeah, I gotta imagine it's uh, July when it coincided with the anniversary of the release date of the yeah. movie. July third makes sure. a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, it's crazy though that we're in a, an interesting year because not only is it the 35th anniversary of the first film in July, in May it'll be the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future Three. So I mean, we're kind of mm-hmm. in a double anniversary year. Back in November is the 30th anniversary of um, Back to the Future. Too. So, I mean, we're all over the place in these in these celebrations here. Um, so I, I, I would like to see that. Now, um, guys, the other day on the on the podcast, I got to do um, a little question and answer session with with some of the some of the fans of the show, some of the listeners. And I thought there was some left over that I didn't get to. I thought it'd be a great opportunity since we're all here to go over some of these questions from Back to the Future fans. So if you all are game for it, um, I said, let's jump into it. How's that sound? Let's do it. Uh, absolutely. I'm around robbing it. So I'll, I'll start I'll start with David here and then and then Norm and, and then I'll answer as well. So this one is from Andrew Burnett. Andrew Burnett wants to know in Back to the Future Part One, why didn't Marty just give himself more minutes to get to Doc? Why did he only give him ten himself ten minutes? What do you think, David? Uh, the only thing that's coming to mind is, you know, in the heat of the moment, he just thought, you know, ah, ten minutes should be fine, but realistically thinking, logically thinking, you should have given yourself a bit more of a cushion, but, you know, heat at a moment, the pressure, you know, ah, 10 minutes will do it, but there's no uh, real answer there, you know? Yeah, what do you think, Norm? I I, I agree with David. I I think the in-universe answer, David's, is factually correct. It makes a lot of sense. The take a step back from the table is, if he gave himself an hour, what fun would that movie be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there wouldn't be a, a lot of drama in that one. Um, Andrew, no, he'd have time to stop at Burger King for a sandwich first. Yeah, right. Andrew also asked in Back to the Future Two, um, what is one thing from the future? What what one thing from the future did you want? For him, it was the power laces. Norm, what is something from the 2015 future that you always wanted? I think most people probably say a hoverboard. Uh yeah, it's definitely going to be the hoverboard. Not not one of those ones that uh, roll around on wheels and they come from China and when you plug them in, they catch your house on fire. But one that like actually just floats as long as you're on land and not water. That would actually, I'd take a flying car too. Flying car would be pretty cool. Flying car's not bad. I don't know how those ever got the name hoverboard. I don't know where that came from because they don't hover <laughs> at all. They they I, they and they're not even they're not even boards. Yeah, they're planks. I, yeah, they're more of a plank. And and I rode those things, man. They are very difficult to to get your balance on. David, what did, what about you? Would it be the hoverboard, flying cars? Is there some other f- piece of 2015 tech that you would have wanted? Well, the number one, obviously, is the hoverboards because when you saw those as a kid, you're like, holy 
S, you know, that's what I want to float around on. But to uh, pick another item, probably be the um, the pizza uh, hydrator, you know, hydrated pizza in two seconds. Come on, who wants, who doesn't want that? You know, the pizza hydrator is awesome, and so would be the auto-fitting clothing. Like, if I could just go to the store, you, you buy a suit, and you just hit a button, and it automatically tailors to your body, that would be pretty sweet. I, I wouldn't mind having that piece of Back to the Future tech. Now, David, I'm going to come back to you. This is a hard one. Jason A. Earnhardt wants to know, Earhart wants to know, there are talks, and th there aren't really talks, but there are talks of a fourth Back to the Future. What would your idea be for the plot? Well, this just gives me shudders just to think about a part four. But if if there was somehow it got off the ground, something to do with perhaps Marty's kids and Doc um, getting into some sort of adventures. But, you know, obviously Michael J. Fox can't really play a, a huge part in it. But something to do with Marty's kids, you know, or maybe grandkids at this stage because um, – you're not going to have Michael J. Fox riding around on a skateboard at this at this point, you know. Um, what about you, Norm? And then then I'll answer. Uh, it's it's very interesting because we're not quite there yet, but we're not that far away from technology that could that could make uh, yeah. another movie with a young looking Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd in it. Uh, we we're having digital actors now, uh, you know, Tarkin from the Star Wars movie, and then Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One. Uh, they like to de-age and age characters up in the, the Marvel movies. But you'll notice that when those characters are on screen, they're kind of just standing around and talking. They don't do a whole lot. The technology's not there yet to have a digitally created character that is supposed to resemble a real person. Because we need to remember that even though they are comedies, Back to the Future movies are very much uh, action-oriented movies. There's not a whole lot of sitting around and talking in these films. Um, so it, it becomes very tough to have Marty and Doc other than old, older versions of themselves. You know? And if we're talking Marty's grandkids, the Doc would probably be dead. But then again, <laughs> <laughs> if time travel is really around, I, you, know, you know what my answer is? My answer becomes my inability to answer to this question uh, tells me why we never need a fourth movie. Uh, bravo. <laughs> so here's the thing. Do I have a plot for the fourth movie? I don't have any ideas if there was a fourth movie, like where they could go, what they could do. But in recent years, my tone has changed. And, and this season, people have heard me talk about it a lot. I'm not opposed to a, to a reboot, remake, or sequel. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not rooting for the idea at all. I don't want it to happen. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm not against it as much as I used to be. And, and I came to this conclusion after that all-females cast Ghostbusters came out. And I love Ghostbusters 1 and 2. You can say what you want about 2. It's, it's phenomenal. I love it just as much as the first film. And when I went to go see that Ghostbusters movie, I went in with pretty high expectations like I wanted this movie to be good because I love Ghostbusters I went in the movie kind of sucked like it was not fun I did not enjoy that movie at all and I and I would thought I would think when you add to a, a franchise and you make a real stinker it would kind of knock down the love that you have of those other films and you kind of look at it a little bit differently but then I realized I went back that night and I watched Ghostbusters 1 and I still love Ghostbusters as much as I did before 
I just have a movie that came out that I never have to watch again. It didn't alter or, or change my love for the original films at all, not even a little bit. Even with this upcoming Ghostbusters movie, I'm going into it with the same hope of it's really, really good. But if it's not, it's okay because I still have those first movies. Now, if I go into this Ghostbusters movie with Paul Rudd here in the, in the summertime and it's phenomenal, dude, that is awesome. We just got another Ghostbusters movie that's great, and that's what I think about Back to the Future. If they make another one with Tom Holland and, and Robert Downey Jr. or whomever, or you know, they find a way to bring Mar the original Marty and Doc back, and it's great, then we're all going to celebrate that we have more Back to the Future to love. If it's not great, we never have to watch it again, and we still have the original trilogy. I mean, you see what I'm saying, David? Yes, I do, but like, if it's great, for instance... Are you going to associate that with part one, two, and three? Are you going to put that next to your collection and say, oh, this is the proper continuation of these movies? Or is it going to be just like you said, see it once and kind of forget about it? Because a lot of these remakes are, like the Disney uh, remakes are a perfect example, whether it be Aladdin, Lion King, whatever it may be, there is like zero point to the remakes. It's just purely a cash cow because you watch them. They don't compare it to the originals. There's like you watch them once and then you forget about them. So I just like, what is the point apart from money? I mean, I get that. Well, I think if go ahead, Norm. If if they if they were to do do a reboot or it, just as an aside, I think that upcoming Ghostbusters movie looks phenomenal, and I think it's going to be the the Ghostbusters sequel that we wish we got a few years ago. Although I do have to say, I did not hate the one that came out a couple years ago. I didn't love it, but uh, I thought it was good. Six and a half out of 10. Uh, I know that's a hot take for you, Brad, because you thought it was hot garbage. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. When you're but, shooting uh, the marshmallow man and the penis, it's not, it's not, it's not great movie right there. It's not great, you know, comedic material. No, but um, I, I totally lost my train of thought there. It's okay. Oh, if if they were to make a a reboot or a sequel, they're not making it for people like us. They're making it for like Joe and Jane movie going public. They're just like, oh, I'll, I'll go see this because it's like based off an old movie that my mom likes, and the new Spider Man is in it. That that's that's kind of the audience they're shooting for now. It's really not going to be made for fans if it were ever to be made. I fear. Okay, I, I, I hear y'all, and like, like I said, I'm not rooting for it, and I, I think I've gotten some heat online. People are like, why would you remake it? It's perfect. I'm like, yeah, we all know. We, I know Back to the Future is perfect. It's the greatest pure trilogy of all time, um, but I'm, I'm just saying I'm open to it. I'm open to it. So, you know, uh, right. hate, hate tweets at Brad Gilmore, as always. And am I the only one who love David, do you love as much, uh, do you love it as much as I do the way that Norm says sequel? He says sequel. Sequel, yeah. I, really, I noticed that, yeah. I really enjoy that, Norm. Um, That's the time in France. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, okay, Norm, I'm coming back to you. Justin Square wants to know, what Back to the Future character do you relate to most? Uh, probably just, just like every other young lad who watched it when they were sort of Marty's age, my answer is going to be Marty. Although at this point in my life, I'm – a single guy in my 40s who my neighbors think is weird and I live with my cat instead of a dog so I've probably slowly turned into dog <laughs> yeah um constantly in crisis i think that um 
You know, I think when I was younger, I, I looked up to Marty, but in certain aspects, I related to George. You know, being being a little bit afraid to go talk to the pretty girl in school, being creative, but not you know didn't want anyone to reject your te- your you know your creative works. I felt somewhat related to George. What about you, David? Really, it depends on the day of the week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like one day you could be feeling good, and you're like Marty, you're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And then the next day, you're like. Well, I don't know, you know, your George vibes. And then sometimes you're like, Doc, you're thinking around like building stuff and making stuff. It's, uh, and then sometimes you feel like a dickhead like Biff and you just want to just tell everybody to, you know, get lost or beat it, you know? So it depends on the day. Um, let's go to, we only have a couple more here. So let, let me go to this one. This is going to be hard for everybody. Brian Nussbaum wants to know. My question is, since there's been great moments and scenes throughout the entire trilogy, what is each of your favorite moments slash scenes over all three films? Norm, I'm going to start with you. What's your favorite moment no. or scene in the entire trilogy? I, I know my answer, and this is not hard. This has always been my favorite scene from all three trilogies. Whenever Marty drops the hoverboard out of the train. That right there was just the one scene that tied everything together perfectly for me. I was like, you know what? I look back at it now as an adult where they very clearly were thinking of two and three at the same time. But that that scene just kind of closed the loop and tied the knot for me. I was like, well, of course he would drop the hoverboard out. Doesn't that make perfect sense? I like that. That's a good answer. What about you, David? Sorry, Norm, are you referring to when he drops the hoverboard out and Doc catches it with Clara? Yeah, yeah, when, okay. when, when Doc catches it so they don't end up, you know, going into Eastwood Ravine. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, two that are jumping out for me, one is the part where George gets the courage to stand up for Lorraine when Biff has his arm tied back. He knocks Biff out. The connection is there between Lorraine and George, and it's just a real feel-good she moments she realizes, hey, you know, look at this guy. He stood up for me, and it's the real, real feel good moment. The other one that's standing out is literally probably the end scene of part three, where Doc comes back with the kids and Clara on the train, and Jennifer's like, oh, this uh, letter it got erased, and he's like, yeah, of course it's erased. Your future isn't written yet. It's whatever you make it, so make it a good one. Like, how perfect is that? Those are, that's a pretty great choice, too. Those are two great scenes. For me, oh, man, this is hard, though, because it's it's really it's a trilogy filled with phenomenal moments. Um, I think that I think that when Marty is playing Earth Angel on stage at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, and he's fading away, and then his, you know, George and Lorraine kiss, and he pops right back up and continues to play, and then Rock goes into Johnny Be Good. Always been a great uh, uh, moment. I think, though, my favorite is whether you want to say it's the end of part one or the beginning of part two, just where we think that everything's over and then you see the mm-hmm. flash of light and Doc runs over the trash can and, Marty, you got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. And then he starts, I need fuel. And he does the whole thing. Like, I think that even if it, even if the series, I mean, if there, even if there wasn't a part two and three, and that is where the last thing that we saw of Back to the Future ever and Back to the Future one, such a great ending. Roads where, we, where we're going, we don't need roads. I think that that has to be the my favorite scene throughout the entire trilogy. Just I think it's just perfect. It's perfect. 
you can't you can't uh yep. you can't really hate on that scene too much okay i think that we have one more let me pull it back up here um my last question was uh well let me see if i can find it and i'm having trouble find it oh jexy phoenix wants to know People give these movies a lot of crap due to their supposed time travel inaccuracies. Can any of you tell us why the time travel in the series is actually better than real-life science? I don't know if I can tell you better than real-life science, but is there any other trilogy or movie series that y'all can think of that does time travel better than Back to the Future? David? I mean, time travel in general in movies is very rare. I mean, the only one I can think of is like Bill and Ted. But, you know, I'm sure there's like a thousand inaccuracies, inaccuracies you could think of with the Back to the Future series. But if you did, you would drive yourself bonkers just trying to wrap your head around. So just have to for, remind, remind yourself that it's just a movie and just enjoy it for what it is. I, you know, I, I think Terminator does time travel. Obviously, I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, Bill and Ted, like you said before, there's a few time travel movies out there. I don't know if any of them do it do one justice and the other. And I, and I don't really know what the supposed science is, Norm. You, you work for a university. Do you, do you know, do you know anything about the supposed science of actual time travel? I mean, I know there's theories out there, the theory of relativity and whatnot, or this, that, and the other. But as far as any of us know, there isn't really time travel. So I don't know how you can be inaccurate on something that hasn't really been invented. Well, for the record, I work in university marketing, just to just to clear that up. Yeah, but it's and, close um, enough. I mean, come on. Okay, it's it's it's. I guess it's the closest of what we have at the table right now. Um, I think Back to the Future in Part Two, they at least took a minute to lay out some plausible explanations and a, and a little science behind it all, uh, whereas a lot of other time travel movies are just like, oh yeah, time travel works. Now we're traveling in time, and there's there's usually a machine where you you step into the machine and you get flung forward and then you disappear. You know, like in Time Cop, uh, Bill and Ted again step into the machine, you get flung somewhere else. Doctor Who, um, Back to the Future, at least made an honest effort to put bones there that made sense. So I'm gonna say their science is good enough, and it's and it's better than some of the other sciences of time travel that we've been presented in other movies. Well, I just think, to jump, go just ahead, to jump on there, just, uh, you're after reminding me something like they did explain in back to the future, like not to a unhealthy degree, but they did explain a lot of the time travel stories and what you can and can't do. Like one of my favorite scenes is in part two, where in the alternate timeline and doc gets the blackboard out. He's like 1985 a slash 1985 B. He's like, we can't go back because if we go back to this time, this will be the time where Biff is powerful and blah, blah, blah. And he just explains it really well. And that's the power of the test to writing and also to Christopher Lloyd's uh, acting abilities book. They do explain it like really in layman's terms if, for you to understand it well. Yeah, and I think they did a better job than, you know, most recently Avengers Endgame, which don't get me wrong, I absolutely love and adore as a movie. But they explain time travel in that by throwing the word quantum as an adjective in front of everything. It's like we're just going to jump into the quantum hole with our quantum suits and we have our quantum bands and then we're going to gather up some quantum particles. That's, that's how they explain time travel. So I'm going to go ahead and say Back to the Future probably did a better job. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even understand. I liked Avengers Endgame 
thoroughly like everybody else pretty much did who's a fan of the MCU, but I, I didn't get w their explanation of time travel at all. It made no sense to me, and I didn't, I didn't appreciate the digs that they took it on Back to the Future. Um, but I did, I did love how Paul Rudd made sure he wanted to throw in Back to the Future. I think twice it, Back to the Future was mentioned in now the highest grossing film of all time, which is, of course, a testament to uh, the pop culture uh, of Back to the Future, how identifiable it is that they thought in the biggest movie of all time, we got to make sure that we mention it if we're talking about time travel. Um, but I don't yeah, really know. Go ahead, Norm. I was going to say, here's the thing. They, they needed to have their science plot so they could all run around and do all this. Oh, well, I was going to say they had the time stone, but they didn't. They lost the stones. Never mind. Well, <laughs> I'm well, wrong. Well, well, what I found funny about Avengers Endgame is they essentially took, like, they essentially took the plot in some ways, or the idea of Back to the Future Part Two, and they made a movie out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, we have this definitely. whole, we have this whole like screwed up timeline. We got to go back into these movies that we've seen, we've seen us in before. And now we've got to do things in these movies, in, in these different scenes, and change the, the course of history again. You know, you know what I mean? Like, they essentially took Back to the Future 2, and they made it the biggest movie of all time. <laughs> That's what yeah, happened. The, the, whole the whole time heist was definitely Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, what is, what is y'all's runner-up of, of, of time travel movies? Do y'all have another time travel movie that you like? Uh, obviously, other than Back to the Future. Is it Terminator? Is it Bill and Ted, David? Is it Time Cop? Is it... Avengers Endgame, is it any of those? Do you do you enjoy any of those stories because you're such a Back to the Future fan? You're kind of open to time travel? I don't really associate the Avengers uh, as a time travel movie per se, and I didn't even put two and two together that it was, uh, you know, kind of ripping off Back to the Future. I did enjoy it, though, but again, um, the only ones that are, like, Terminator is fun, you know what I mean? But I don't really classify that as, as a time travel movie per se because that's not the main basis of the storyline, but Again, if if I'm blanking here, if you have any other better ideas, uh, let me know. But Bill and Ted is is a fun movie, um, especially part two. I'm really fond of with the uh, the death the the death character, and they have a real cool guitar scene at the end. But um, yeah, that's the one I only wanted to come to mind. It's just a, it's just a fun you know popcorn movie. And there's actually going to be a sequel to that coming out this summer apparently, which is should be good. Oh yeah, and I, you know, the other comic book movie I think of that's uh, time travel related is uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. I thought they did a really good job with the time travel in that movie as well. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like a time machine, but um, it, they definitely did a good job with time travel. And I think to go back to the original question of of the inaccuracies in this movie, I don't like. I said I'm not a physic a physics major or teacher, or I don't work at a university like Norm, so I, I'm not exactly sure the inaccuracies. But what I do love about the movies is with Bill and Ted and with the Avengers and any of these other bigger movies and time cop, even you can say the rules were a little bit fast and loose. Like you could appear anywhere. You just kind of dropped out of the sky in this place or that place or the other place. What I loved about back to the future was it, they found a way for the time travel science and the way they explained it in the film, the exposition of, of, of time travel in the film when they talk about, well, you know, you can tra travel through time, but not space. They found a way to keep it constrained to the, the events in Hill Valley because they didn't want to, you know, go from Hill Valley and then go back into the 1960s and try to stop the assassination of Kennedy. They didn't try to go back and kill baby Hitler. They didn't go back and do, they didn't do any of these things. They just said, you know what, we're going to keep it constrained to this fictional town in 1985, 1955, 1885, 2015 Hill Valley. 
That's the only place you're going to see. That's the only place we're going to be. We're not going to go all across the world and try to stop these big, you know, cataclysmic events from occurring. We're just going to stick to a fictional town. They even continued that into the um, into the series. Although in the ser- in the animated series, they it were able to tra- travel through time and space for some reason. Like in the first episode of the series, they go to Chattanooga, Tennessee during the Civil War. But the good thing is they don't they don't interrupt any real life characters. It's always a Biff Tannen or a Clayton or a Doc or a Marty. There's always something like that um, in in the film. So I don't know. Any any final thoughts, Norm, on the time travel of Back to the Future? Um, not a Back to the Future, but I do have a time travel film I can recommend uh, to the listeners and to you two if you have not seen it. Uh, it's a movie called Frequency. Have you ever seen that? It's a, a I think it's a Dennis Quaid movie. No. And it came out in the early 2000s, and it was a really, really interesting m- movie. It wasn't about time travel per se, but it was about communicating through two different times uh, through a ham radio. And it was just kind of explained as there was a very unique meteorological, meteor- meteorological thank you, event that made that possible. So there's kind of this communication that happens in the 1960s and the 2000s that goes back and forth. And that's a very, very good movie. I would recommend that if you haven't seen it. Now, did either one of y'all check out the Netflix movie that came out last year called See You Yesterday, which has Michael J. Fox in it, and it's a time travel movie? Did either one of y'all check that out? No, No, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's called See You Yesterday. It's on Netflix. It's the tagline is going back is the only way forward. And uh, Michael J. Fox is in the movie. He plays a teacher in the film. And apparently there are a lot of Back to the Future references in it. So uh, it's definitely one to go check out. It's about two. I don't want to give away the plot, but it's called See You Yesterday. It's on Netflix. If anyone wants to check that out, Michael J. Fox time travel movie. It should be enough to sell anybody listening to this podcast but guys, I mean, it's been it's been great to catch up with both of you. Um, we we, we got to do this a little bit more frequently on the podcast if y'all are open to it. Um, anything anything else that we do we need to discuss before we wrap this up, Norm? No, I don't think so. I would I would just say uh, if you're if you're starving for Back to the Future content and you have not looked into some of the trade paperbacks of the IDW comic books that came out around the 30th anniversary, there are some excellent excellent stories that were told in those comics and i i can't recommend those enough and you know i'm i'm good for a, a 35th anniversary show ah yeah i think that i think that probably should happen we, we might need to do that what about you david any any uh any closing thoughts um just going on what you said norm in regards to the comics i did catch the uh the biff to the future series uh i got the the paperback or the uh the series that has all the six issues in one. And that was a very interesting take on the alternate timeline. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, another movie that um, might've gone under the radar. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Um, I haven't personally seen it, but I've heard it's pretty good. It's called about time came out in 2013. It's uh, stars Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams. It's kind of a romantic comedy, but um, he does travel through time, but I've heard it's really good. And, uh, Another recommendation, but apart from that, um, I just can't believe that a it's thirty uh, fifth anniversary of uh, our favorite movie, and there's still so much merchandise, so much uh, productivity, and so much happenings going on. So it's uh, it's it's really cool. Yeah, man. And and by the way, just everyone out there, April fourteenth, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. 
Is it going to be available to the mass public? Amazon, Barnes and Noble.com, IndieBound.com, you can get that. Or back from the futurebook.com. You can check out my book, um, which I actually mentioned both of you in. So uh, I got I gotta get y'all both a copy of that. It is coming out here soon. Kind of surreal again to have a book out about Back to the Future in the same year that the 30th and 35th anniversary of three and, and part one are, are, are going to be occurring. So crazy stuff happening all around. Uh, make sure y'all follow, you know, what are y'all's Twitters again? Y'all, y'all on Twitter, social media, where can people find y'all? David. I kind of bowed off Twitter uh, after a little bit. Um, Dave Mitch on Instagram, D-A-V-E-M-I-T-C-H-E, if uh, anyone is so inclined. But if not, that's what cool. What about you, Normie Norm? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at normanb258. And fair warning, 95% of my posts are pictures of shelter cats. Oh, man. I don't know if that's good or bad. But you, you can follow me on all social media, at Brad Gilmore, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on it all. You can find me uh, wherever you need to. But it, it's great to catch up with both of you. We'll have to do it again, maybe around the 35th anniversary, if not sooner. But for David G. Mitchell, for Norman Benford, I'm Brad Gilmore. We're your friends in time, and we will see you again in the future. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.